I'm Ivalice Page, and thanks for listening to the Believe Big Podcast, the show where we take a deep dive into your healing with health experts, integrative practitioners, biblical faith leaders, and cancer thrivers from around the globe. Welcome to today's episode on the Believe Big Podcast. My name is Ivalice Page, and it's an honor to spend this time with you. One of my favorite parts of what we do at Believe Big is getting to work with and speak to inspiring individuals who have overcome cancer. Today's episode is special because we have an incredible young lady and a pediatric cancer overcomer, Ella, with her mom, Jen, today sharing their story. Jen is a mom to five kids, a wife, is a certified nutrition and holistic health coach who, after her daughter's diagnosis with Ewing sarcoma at age nine and herself being diagnosed with Lyme's disease, wanted to use what she learned to help others heal. They founded the Ella Strong Foundation while Ella was undergoing treatments. It is their mission to bring awareness to pediatric cancer and raise money for much-needed research for safer and more effective treatments. In their spare time, Jen enjoys training for triathlons and marathons, and Ella is 15 now and enjoys playing lacrosse, is passionate about leadership, and is her class vice president in her school in Annapolis, Maryland. So welcome, Jen and Ella, to the show. Hi. Yeah, we're just so glad to be here. Thank you all for listening today and hearing our story. Well, we always like to learn from our guests what their favorite health tip is. Can you each share one with us? I'll go first. My favorite health tip is actually to, it's a little different than most people would probably say, I would say to have a goal. I think it's always important to work towards a goal and you might have to readjust your goal, but but constantly setting that for yourself in different phases of your life really helps, helps me at least keep going, have a vision for what you're hoping for. So. That's mine. My health tip is probably to be staying active. During my treatments, I was always staying active, trying to go for walks, get outside, and that always helped me. Mm, those are fantastic. I love them both. And Jen, you taught your daughter well to get outside <laughs> and to stay active. I know how difficult it is to be diagnosed as an adult. I can't imagine how it must have felt to have your child diagnosed or you diagnosed Ella at such a young age. What was the most challenging part for each of you? And Jen, you can go ahead first. For me, I really had a hard time struggling with uh, how she ended up getting cancer. We live very cleanly. We eat really well. I'm really particular. I've always been with chemicals and things like that. We were really conscious of it. So when I actually didn't think kids got cancer, honestly, I didn't know that um, it was something that happened quite frequently. And I thought, I did something. And so it was really hard for me. I blamed myself a lot and just didn't have answers. I still really don't have answers as to why this happens other than just a compilation of lots of things. But I'd say that was one of the the biggest challenges for me was to getting over blaming myself for it and navigating a way forward to healing instead. I would say my biggest challenge, it was so long ago, so I'm not really sure of all the details of everything that went on. But just learning about everyone that was in the hospital and where I was at that point, 
was probably my biggest challenge. Yes. Yeah. Trying to understand it all. I, I'm sure it was a lot to, to take in. And I didn't tell her very much in the beginning. It's such a scary thing for a nine-year-old. We were really careful about how to talk to her about it and to not make it scary. So it was really difficult to explain what was going on to her at that age. So, yeah, so she was yeah. nine at the time. So how did you explain that? Because I'm sure a lot of parents are trying to find the words even for themselves to share with their kids. What would your best advice be? We did make sure we had all the answers before we talked to her. She knew she was sick. Obviously, she was not feeling good anyway. But And we were already on the oncology floor, so there were kids there without hair. And she, at the time, had a grandmother who had cancer. So in that way, we were able to explain it was something similar to that. And also, when we talked to her, there was a, a young girl there, Claire. They would come every Friday night and serve dinner. It was the Forever Fierce Foundation. And so Claire was a Ewing sarcoma survivor about her age. She had gone through it two years before, maybe. So they came every Friday to the oncology floor, arranged for a free dinner at Johns Hopkins. And they also raised money for research. And so they were the first family we met. Our oncologist, her oncologist kind of arranged it. And so she was able to talk to her about it too. That same day, we were just processing it with her. So super helpful to have other people who've gone through it insert themselves and give us a little bit of hope knowing with the same cancer, same age. Yeah. And she's doing awesome too. So it's, it's really inspiring. Well, that's encouraging for everyone to hear. And can you share a little bit about how you found out Ella had cancer and what you experienced in that process? Gosh, it was such a shock to us, I'm sure, as to Ella. She was like a normal, healthy kid. I'm sure everybody might say that, but never even had strep throat, never went on an antibiotic or an ear infection, nothing. And she had a stomach ache for a week. And my other kids had the stomach bug, too. They had a stomach flu. So it was that kind of, I don't know, it was like when winter was turning into spring and kids just were sick. And she didn't feel well, but at some point, her stomach it was just hurting so badly and it became distended and we knew something was really not right. I honestly thought she had appendicitis. So we took her to the urgent care, not really expecting much. And he thankfully was wonderful and sent us directly over to the ER. He knew something was up. We went to the local hospital and they immediately did an ultrasound and found a mass that was blocking her bladder. So we were able to figure out right away. But it, all this all happened within two hours. So it was really fast. And we had a wonderful doctor there who immediately Dr. sent us Calendar. Dr. Calendar, who's amazing in pediatrics. And he sent us to Hopkins within hours. And we were on the oncology floor. It was like this whole thing within a 10-hour period. They're putting a port in the next day, talking about chemotherapy. And it was just really fast for us. We went from like normal life to living on the oncology floor for the next year. How did that make you feel, Ella? Do you remember that? I know you were several years ago, but do you remember how that time when things changed, how that made you feel? I don't remember everything in specific, but I know that was a time of stress for me and my family. And I remember being really nervous going into the doctor's offices, switching around, not really knowing anything about what they were telling me. It was just really stressful and scary, and we didn't know what was going to happen. There were a lot of needles. She did not like, I mean, it's like accessing the ports and 
blood draws. Every time you get a fever, they take you from your arm. And it was for that age. It was so hard. It just hurts and they are scared. And So what were some of the tools that you used and the doctors used to help Ella overcome Ewing's sarcoma? Did you incorporate integrative treatments into her care? We did. I wish that there was what they offer now. At least I didn't know about it then. So now I, there's this whole world of amazing integrative oncologists and coaches. And you've had people on here. Nutrition It's so inspiring to me. I told them I wish I had them when she was sick because we would have done that. But we used a naturopath doctor who was actually out in California. So we did a Zoom call with her several times. Um, and she did some homeopathic stuff with us, which was a lifesaver to help reduce the, the side effects of, of chemo. And it was amazing for us. And we had a massage therapist come to the house once a week, volunteer, right? Yeah, we did acupuncture in Annapolis. And we also went to the chiropractor every week. And did some cranial work when she had a lot of headaches in the beginning. And it was really, I think all of it really made a difference for her. Yeah. She t- didn't have the side effects other kids did. And she always seemed to be the healthiest kid on the floor, honestly. We it did was, a lot of nutrition stuff too. Yeah. She, healthy food. That was a battle. <laughs> so how did you incorporate that into educating Ella and having her get on board with pursuing healthier practices with eating? We did a lot of shakes, right? Yeah. I managed to do it with the shakes because... We did a lot of shakes and we had been doing... We'd been going to the chiropractor since I was little. So I already knew about that. Yeah. So we had always done that. We started acupuncture was relatively new, but but wonderful acupuncturist that was really good with her. And so the, the other stuff we had done before, she was used to me, my crazy vitamins and all that stuff. But eating well was... It was a challenge because in the hospital, especially in pediatrics, they'll tell you calories, calorie. And if they need to eat 10 donuts, then feed them 10 donuts. It's crazy. It is. It's crazy. You know, it's like even in today's world where we know food is medicine. And I, I remember having a conversation with an oncologist friend and there's Ivelisse. We're not trained in that in medical school. So we're just trying to do all that we can so our patients don't lose the weight so that they can handle treatment. And then I asked this question of him. I said, if your daughter was homesick in bed with the flu, would you be telling her to eat 10 donuts (laughs) or or would you be telling her that she needed chicken noodle soup and orange juice and things that would help to support her? And he smiled and, and agreed. And so I think we need to do a better job of continuing to educate doctors, even in the medical school level, so that they can be able to be more help to patients like Ella going through something difficult. And I think that with kids, especially, you want to just give them treats. You know, it's a natural instinct to give. They had donuts on the floor every day and cake. And just you want kids to feel happy there. And they do such a nice job of making kids feel good. But it's through food that's junk. And so that was that was hard because You just can't really avoid that. Um, And I didn't know back then about like ketogenic diets and stuff like that. I just didn't have those tools. I probably would have done it differently now, but but we did what we could. So So what would you have done differently? If you, what do you wish you knew then that you know now, especially with all your oncology training you've done? I really definitely would have put her on a keto diet. I just, the research for even children that, is so amazing to me for cancer. It's just stunning. Might have been a little difficult with her at her age, but there's resources now for kids and helping them kind of transition to a keto diet. But 
absolutely 100% would have done that. I think that's the one thing. Otherwise, we might have just done the same stuff because we did all the things we could. That's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> we would have some luck getting the only keto. <laughs> it would have been a challenge. I would have had to hire someone else to work with us. Interestingly enough, for pediatric cancers now, they can put in a G2. So it's not like they're having to eat it all themselves and they have this liquid, organic, nutrient-dense meals that can automatically be fed in without having to eat all of that. I've heard that. Although I think it's difficult that some hospitals don't allow it. Oh. So it's only certain ones, which is so amazing to me that they do that. That's really yeah. great. So, yeah. What did you practically do to overcome those times of discouragement and fear? Um, we had a child life specialist on the floor. She was really helpful. She always kept us busy. We had stuff to do, games, plenty of visitors. We had a pastor come in, a priest. They would come in and pray with us. Our church and our community was always really involved in keeping us busy, bringing us meals, yeah. pretty much doing anything that I would need in the hospital. So that pretty much got us through. Yeah, we had your uncle Paul had the the local across the Bayhawks. They used yeah. to the, the pro team here. They were they came and they, they came, came to our house a couple of times. Yeah, playing cards with her. The Baltimore Oriole came. So it's amazing. <laughs> People are just so kind and like the visitors were key and the prayers for me. I don't know about for you, but the prayers for me were everything. I would specifically find a couple friends and ask them to pray for specific things. If she had a fever that day, I would ask them, I would text them and ask them to please pray that her fever comes down. So that helped me, like the specific prayers, knowing there were people that were covering us with that was everything to me. So what would your best advice to parents who want to approach their child's care in an integrative way and their oncologist is not very supportive? So that seems to be the norm, honestly, which is unfortunate because you want to involve your oncologist. And what I did was when we worked with a naturopath, she had Ella do certain homeopathic drops and we did all this stuff. And I would just tell our oncologist what we were doing. I sent an email and listed out the stuff we were having her on. And they said, fine. I, I, I don't think they knew what it was. So yeah. they ran it by the pharmacist and everybody was fine with it. So Really, I guess my best advice would be just to be as open as possible. And I asked a lot of questions to my oncologist and questioned everything. For me, that was really important because it actually led us to a different kind of treatment than we would have done. The questions were super important and not just taking everything based on what they say, but doing my own research. But as far as the other integrative stuff, we just, we just did it. We did it all on our own and I didn't really discuss acupuncture, things like that with them. So we didn't get a whole lot, a lot of support with that. We just worked with our own. We formed our own team. Ella actually wrote this little book. Do you remember your book? Uh, yeah. She wrote this book. Like it was a children's book and it had Ella's, what'd you call it? Ella's angel or Ella's. It was like she drew pictures of her team and it wasn't just the oncologist and her head nurse. It was like her chiropractor and her acupuncturist and <laughs> Tish, the massage therapist, and our physical therapist, and oh. Dr. Amy. And I think that's the key is to have a team of people supporting you. Even if they're not all working together, they're working with you and trying to keep everybody in the loop as much as possible. You ultimately being her biggest advocate as her mom and just saying, I know this is what she needs. And putting that yeah. team together is important. And like you said, 
everyone has their own gifting and ability. And so you talked about being your own advocate and then doing your own research and putting a team of community together, which you did. So that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. 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 It was not an easy battle, though. I did feel like I had to armor up every day and go in with my sword and my shield. And it it shouldn't have to be that way. But I think you really have to keep yourself on the edge always of knowing what's happening and questioning. Yeah, questioning. And then also listening to your gut. Like for me, the the gut is the Holy Spirit. But for many people, it's like that still small voice inside that's telling you yes to this and no to that. And sometimes we try and shut that off when in fact, we as moms or we as individuals know what's best for our daughters or for ourselves. And it's so important to to listen to that and and not just fall to whatever's being told to you. Be the CEO of your own health. And yes, we need to listen to the wisdom of our doctors, but we also need to do what's best for us as we know ourselves best. Yeah. I think the whole system is very disempowering to patients and their families. And like you said, even seeking a second opinion about something, which we did at some point in her treatment, and it helped so much. It was really empowering knowing that we had choices, even though with children, you don't have as many choices as you would as an adult. But we did, we were able to get some different opinions and change the course of action with some of her treatments. It was really great, very empowering to do that. Can you share with how pediatric cancer is different than adult cancer in the sense of making decisions, what you're able to do and not do? There is a standard protocol, typically with most cancers, unless it's a very rare cancer. And you as a parent really aren't given a choice to have your child proceed with that or not. That's when they can call Child Protective Services and you could have your children taken away. It happens. And so it's your child and you actually want you want to do everything possible for them to get well. It, it would be different if it were my own body, but I think I might be willing to take more risks. But as far as the standard of care for kids, there's a protocol and you have to do it. Now, we had some different options. That's why we sought for other very reputable hospitals to get different opinions on things. And that's fine. But yeah, you, you really don't get to opt out of chemo when it's when it's the standard of care for that kind of thing. For Ewing's, it was 14 rounds of chemo and that's it. It doesn't matter if the cancer goes away after the second round, which I asked, of course, like why? But no, the, the research shows 14 rounds is what's best. So that's what you do. That must have been hard as a parent. <laughs> really hard. Yeah, it was very difficult to, to surrender that. Yeah. Ella, what advice would you give to other children or teenagers who are going through cancer right now? I would give the advice of just keep pushing through. And when I had cancer, I really just used my faith in God and trust in my community that they would always be there for me and help me with anything I needed. If that was my family, my friends, our cousins, that's that would be my main advice. And just to trust the people you're with. We also did lots of fundraising for childhood cancer research while I was in treatment. And we still are now through our Ella Strong Foundation, through toy drives, lemonade stand, holiday time, fundraisers. We've done band-aid drives, just anything we can do to help other kids who are in that situation currently. I think that helping other people helps you get through the pain too. So that's what we found. Yes, that's incredible. Can you share a little bit about Ella Strong a little more? I know you do fundraising for research, but what other things do you guys do at Ella Strong and how can it help others? 
So during the holiday time, so like in December, we have a toy drive every year for the past five five years. years. Yeah. Yeah, five years. And we've donated, well, we've collected and then donated over 1,500 toys that we have a link on Amazon for. And we'll bring them into the pediatric floors and mostly oncology floor, but for Anne Arundel Community Center Hospital, we just bring them into all the pediatrics there. So they have a yeah, Johns Hopkins, Children's. We donate some to the Ronald McDonald House and we'll just give them to the kids there that are there on holidays. And she delivers them herself, which is the best part. It's so cool. You're, you're paying it forward to what that other girl had done for you, bringing the meals in on those Fridays. You're bringing in toys and giving someone else hope in that midst of that. And I know that it, I'm sure it means just as much to them as it did to you back then. Yeah, that really meant a lot to me. That gave me a lot of hope going forward in my journey. So that's really what we want to do for other kids with the Ella Strong Foundation. I love that. Yeah, I was reading on your website that so you're not only helping t- for research for safer and more effective treatments, but you're also supporting integrative wellness for pediatric cancer patients and then to also raise awareness. So you guys are doing an amazing job and I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to talk with you both today. And Ella, what's next for you? I have a lot going on in school right now. I'm a freshman at St. Mary's in Annapolis. We're really hoping to keep going with Ella Strong and even be supporting people in other states that are going through chemotherapy, going through having cancer. We really just want to expand Ella Strong and keep building off what we've already built in the last five years. Well, we wish you the best. We're here to support you as well. It was so nice to speak to you both today. And thank you for all that you guys are doing for pediatric cancer. Thank you. You guys are such a great resource. Honestly, I wish I knew about you when she was sick, but it's so helpful to have this information out there to people. I can't express it enough. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us on here. Yeah. We appreciate it. To talk to everyone. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support our podcast, please subscribe and share it with others. Be sure to visit BelieveBig.org to access the show notes and discover our bonus content. Thanks again and keep believing big.